lot of things. Tonight's notes, it's one page because Alyssa came up to me, Dad, looks like you're going to be kind of short tonight. And she had that smile on her face, and I said, that's just to fool you. That's just what was left from last week, which really was a half a page of my notes, and I've got a full sermon about being filled with the Spirit to preach with it tonight. So that's where we're going to go here in just a minute. The Holy Spirit, the moment you get saved, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of you and me. And uh, we think about those thoughts about there are those out there that say you've got to wait for the baptism of the Spirit, and you've got to wait for the sealing of the Spirit. No, when you get saved, the baptism of the Holy Spirit takes place. You are baptized into one body. The Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, verse number 13, and the Bible tells us that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. There is nothing we do in those events. It's the Holy Spirit that does these things. God has given us, you think about this. Sometimes I look in the Bible, and I get a little jealous of some of the people in there. You think about Abraham getting to talk with God. Moses on Mount Sinai getting to literally talk to God. I think about the disciples getting to spend three years with Jesus get to see all that he's done all of that and then i get thinking about it the holy spirit is just as much god as the father and the son is we talked about that last week and i got saved when i was six years old that means for 30 years i've had the spirit of god living inside of me and dwelling with me it doesn't get any better than that you might go and, you know, you go buy a car, you go buy a house. No one just has the money. Well, some people do in this world, but most people don't have the money just to plop out. You know, you go buy a car nowadays, thirty, forty thousand. You don't just have 40000 Some people do. And praise God for you. That's a good thing. And uh, more tithe there. That's good. But most of us, I couldn't throw down thirty or 40000 for a car. So what do you do? They want a down payment. Why do they want a down payment? Because they want to make sure that you're going to this saying, I'm giving you this down payment, and I'm going to pay what I say I'm going to pay. It's a little bit of money down just to say, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. God saved us through Jesus Christ. And as our down payment of what all eternity is going to be, he's given us the Holy Spirit to live inside of us each and every day and to be with us and he's sealed us forever. No one can separate us from God's love and what God's done. And so last week we covered a lot about the Holy Spirit. Next Wednesday, there is no church next Wednesday. Service is Tuesday night. And we have from Pensacola Christian College, we have their, their, their um, tour group's going to be with us. And they're going to sing and preach next Tuesday night. So it's Tuesday night, 630. And then we'll be back to our normal Wednesday night the following week. And Lord willing, unless the Lord comes, we're going to look at the doctrine of salvation in two weeks. And we're just going to go through a bunch of major doctrines, what we're going to do. And Robert, how did you get here so fast? Your mom showed me five minutes before the service that you were in Corona. And then you're here by the time church started. Your mom's got a little tag on you, keeping an eye on everything you do there. It's amazing she could even turn on the phone to see that. Do you remember where she was a couple years ago when it came to technology? So somebody's been helping her. That old saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, it's not true. You can't, uh, you can't teach a young lady new tricks. Yes, you can do that. So tonight we are going to look at 
point number five from last week, and then I'm going to go deeper into this tonight as we dive a little deeper. And we're going to look at tonight, number five, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. The ministry of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. And we could go back and review a lot of different things that we've talked about and how the Holy, you think about this, the Holy Spirit, the part he played in our salvation. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicted us of our sin. That's where that came from. The Holy Spirit did that. And the Holy Spirit does a work inside of us for salvation. But today, as we live in 2022, what does the Holy Spirit do in the believer's life? As we look at this tonight, and as we talk about this for a little bit of time tonight, I want to give you some of those thoughts, and we'll move rather quickly so Alyssa doesn't get too, it's not too long for her tonight. But we look at this and we see number, or letter A, is that what we got next? The filling of the Spirit. As the Holy Spirit works in our lives today, the Holy Spirit is there to fill us. And we'll talk about this a lot in a couple of minutes. And you got to understand, we talked about this last week, and I'll go a little bit deeper. But you got to understand, being filled with God's Spirit is not being baptized by the Spirit. You are baptized by the Spirit into one body at the moment of salvation. It also is not being indwelt or receiving the Holy Spirit. Because at the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit of God moves in, and He is in your life. And I know you look and you say, well, what about the book of Acts? I've mentioned that before. And as we go through the book of Acts on Sunday nights, we'll talk more in depth about this. But the book of Acts, this is the first time the Holy Spirit's come on the scene. So you got to understand, it's a little bit different first time. And then you see the pattern set up, and you see in Paul's epistles where our doctrine for the Holy Spirit comes from. And so, being indwelt and receiving the Holy Spirit, that happens at salvation. That is not the filling of the Spirit in our lives. It's not being sealed or secure by the Spirit. We are sealed and secure once we get saved. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit till our day of redemption. We are set, there's, everything's good. When I used to work in uh, trucking, and I would load trucks with a forklift. What you would do is, once that truck got done, I'd have to take a metal seal. I'd take that seal, and I would lock it on the spot there on the truck. And what would happen is, when the truck got to its next stop, that if that seal was broken and it didn't match the numbers, that meant someone got into the load and did something they shouldn't do. So you wanted to make sure that seal stayed on there and that everything was where it needed to be. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you until the day of redemption, until we are with Him. You are safe and secure tonight in the Lord, but see, that's not the filling of the Spirit of God. We look a little bit more, and we think about the fact that being filled by the Holy Spirit is also not some emotional experience. And sometimes, and this is the thing, sometimes we have people who say they get too far on both, both ends of the spectrum. Is it okay to be emotional? Yes, it is. When you worship God, is it okay to be a little emotional? Yes, it is. One of the most emotional people in all the Bibles, David. You cannot tell me any different. David is one of the most emotional people. And he just did his very best and poured everything into doing good things. And at times he poured everything into doing bad things. He's a very emotional guy. We can look at others in the Bible. But you got to understand being filled with the Spirit is not some emotional experience that takes place. I just felt the Spirit come over me, 
And maybe there might be moments where that happens and different things like that, but that's not what being filled with the Spirit is all about. And uh, what is being filled with the Spirit? It is, it is giving over to the Spirit's control. It's letting the Spirit of God work in you. This is what happens the moment that you and I get saved. We don't magically not sin anymore. Wouldn't it be nice if when we got saved we never did anything wrong? What, I would, how many of you would like to never do wrong again once you got saved? You know, some people tell people that. That you'll never do wrong once you get saved. And that's a bunch of baloney. There's, that's not true. Because we sin. Why? Because we have a problem. We have this thing called flesh. And as long as we live here on earth, we have flesh. So that old man that we had before salvation is still with us. You cannot just make him go away. But you've been given a new man through the Holy Spirit. So because of that, there is a battle that takes place between the old man and the new man. That's why there are times where you want to do what's right, because that new man's trying to help you do what's right, but the old man doesn't want to do what's right. And you end up not doing what's right, even though you know you should be doing what's right. Paul said the same thing in Romans chapter 7. He struggled with the same thing. I'm glad he struggled with it too. But I want you to look in your Bibles, or you can look there on the screen, at Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians chapter number 5. And we're going to look at some thoughts tonight and go a little deeper. If you want for your notes, just so you can have the last blank there, because I'm going to go completely off my notes in the next few minutes. And this was just so you could have what was left from last week. But as it looked like, most of you didn't bring your notes from last week anyway. So I could have just given you new notes. Joyce did. Good job, Joyce and Russ. Yeah, Russ just leaves everything in his Bible anyways till the following week. I was searching through there a few weeks ago. And uh, so I'll give you the last point there just so you have it if you need it. And then you can not worry about your notes. But how is one filled with the Spirit? And some of the verses I'm going to talk about in a few minutes are those same ones that are listed in your notes. But I want you to look with me tonight at Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 17. The Bible says... Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. You see a semicolon after, spirit, after the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Is there a period yet? No, keep looking. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is there a period there yet? No. Verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Is there a period there? Yes. One of the things, I love the fact that someone took the time to put verses and chapters in the Bible for us. I love that because... Wouldn't it be hard if I said, just turn to the book of Ephesians, and we're going to go about three-fourths of the way through, and we'll just skip down till you see the word not. And you'll be searching for a long time. You think sermons were long now. Imagine how long they were with no chapter and verse. But sometimes, because we have a chapter or a verse, we think things just continue on when they don't. This is one complete thought 
from verse number 7. Well, verse 17 talks about understanding what the will of God is. What is God's will for every believer? The very next verse, to be filled with his spirit. And when you're filled with his spirit, there are going to be some things evident in your life. What are those? You're going to be singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You're going to be making melody in your heart to the Lord. You're going to be giving thanks always for all things unto God. And you're going to be submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And if we took a look further, which I'll talk about at the end of the message tonight, we look at the husband and wife relationship. You want to have a good marriage, you need to be filled with the Spirit of God. You want to have a good relationship with your children, you need to be filled with the Spirit of God. You want to be a good worker or a boss to your employees, you need to be filled with the Spirit of God. It applies everywhere to the end of Ephesians chapter number 6. As we look at this tonight, the Bible tells us here, and be not drunk with wine, we're in his excess, but be filled with the Spirit. One of the things that is hard for us sometimes is, I, how many of you struggle even with the English language, okay? How many of you, how, how many of you know what verbs are? How many types of verbs are there? Action and state of being. And then, you know, there you, some, they talk about helping and linking verbs and all that comes into it. Because English, there's just like all this exception and all this other stuff all over the place. Anybody know what an adjective is? What does it do? If you know what an adjective is, what does it do? Describes a noun. Yep, when I was in college, I had to do this test to see where I was going to be placed in English. And I had a good English teacher and all that, and I get to the test, and I'm like, oh, no. I can't remember the difference between an adjective and an adverb. So I know the difference. I know one describes a noun, and I know the other one could talk about a verb or another adverb, and they ask different questions and all that. So in my mind, I'm like, I can't remember what's what, so I did what every good person does when they can't, don't know. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Catch the... Yeah, and I picked the wrong one, and I had to take a semester of bonehead English because no credit for it because I didn't remember the difference between an adjective and an adverb. And so, children, remember those things. They'll be good for you. In Greek, and I took Greek in college, too. That was, whew. And I took Hebrew. And uh, I tell you, they're like learning completely different languages. They're so tough. You have, in Hebrew, you read from right to left. You know there's something wrong when you're reading backwards to begin with. And sorry, I know Hebrews, Jews, I know, but, uh, you know, it's just, why, why read backwards? And it just looks like, uh, some of it doesn't even look like real writing. English is such a better language than Hebrew and Greek. But anyways, with saying all of that, when we look at that phrase, it says, And be not drunk with wine where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit comes from the middle voice. Now you say, what's the middle voice? I'm glad you asked me that tonight. When you look, there is an active, a passive, and a middle voice in Greek. Now you don't need to know all of that to get all of this tonight, but I want you just to help you a little bit. So the active voice for a verb would be the subject does something. So Brian throws the ball. That would be active. Passive would be where William throws the ball to Brian. Someone is throwing the ball to me. 
Now, the middle one is interesting because the subject is acting upon himself. So it'd be like this. It'd be like Brian is throwing the ball at Brian. That doesn't sound real, you know, that's kind of unique there. So active, I'm throwing. Passive, someone's throwing to me. Middle voice means that I'm throwing at myself. So think on me. Think with me for a minute. Think on me. Yeah, see how good my English is? Yeah, whoo, yeah. Kids, I, I'm glad I didn't do a Becca English. That's all I can say. I still would be doing a Becca English if I did a Becca English. But anyways, where was I going with all that? That middle voice. Be filled with what? The Spirit. The Spirit will do the work. That's what the middle voice means there. If you let him. We look at this verse tonight, and I'm going to go somewhere with you here. But the Bible tells us, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I did some research today, and what are the seven common reasons why people drink alcohol? Went online, did some research here and different things. So, this is seven top reasons, okay? Now, if these are really all the reasons, whatever the case may be, whatever, but the first one is stress. For some people, drinking alcohol is a way to relieve stress in their life. If they're depressed or there's something they don't want to think on, they'll drink to not think about it. It doesn't fix the problem because when you get done drinking, the problem is still there. And sometimes you cause bigger problems because of the drinking to alleviate the stress that you're trying to alleviate, creating more stress in your life. And that just sounds stressful altogether for me. Some people drink because of peer pressure. They hang around the wrong people, and that's, uh, that's a very, the Bible's very clear. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. You don't want to have peer pressure to drink? Don't hang out in the bar. Don't hang out with the buddies after work. Don't hang out with the college kids that are at whatever they're doing. That's how you avoid it. You will not be peer pressured. Come to church. I don't think someone in this room is going to peer pressure you to drink tonight. Maybe they will. I don't know. I hope not. You shouldn't be doing that. But peer pressure is another one. Some people do it because it's fun is what they say. That's the third top reason. They get, they, it makes them happy. And I know there are some happy drunks and there's some sad drunks, you know. Go back to the Andy Griffith show and Otis, he was always sad when he got drunk. Barney was always goofy when he got drunk by accident. He didn't really do it on purpose. And if you don't know what Andy Griffith is, you're missing out on a good quality TV show that you should teach your children. It's a good one. It's, a, it's black and white, though, I know, it's, but it's still a good one. And, um, but some people do it, they say, just for fun. It makes them, it brings joy and happiness into their life, they say, which is kind of crazy. Some people like to drink because they lose their inhibitions. It causes them to lose control, and they want to lose control. They want that feeling. Then we go a little bit further. Some people drink because they're curious. Some people drink because they like the taste. I, that's what it says. And some people drink because it's so accessible. 
There are seven reasons there. Let me give you some thoughts. The Bible says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That's the verse we're looking at in verse number 18. And as we look at this verse and we think about it, so people drink to relieve stress, right? That's what they say. Take your Bibles to Galatians chapter number 5 for a minute. Hold your place here in Ephesians 5. We'll be back here in a minute. But go to Galatians chapter number 5 and look with me for a minute. The Bible says in verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Hey, people drink for, for, to relieve stress. What's the third fruit of the Spirit? Peace. I mentioned that sometimes people will drink as of happiness. It brings them happiness and joy. Love and joy are the first two mentioned under the fruits of the Spirit. So in all reality, sometimes people are searching for all the things in their life that the Holy Spirit could bring into your life. You don't need the alcohol to help make you feel happy. You need the Spirit of God to make you feel happy. Hey, you don't need the alcohol to relieve your stress. You have the Holy Spirit that can bring peace, and He's the comforter for your life. And so as we look at this and we think on this tonight, you got to understand something. A person who comes under alcohol yields control to that alcohol. And that alcohol does things to that person. That's why if you drink, should you be driving? No. But I, but I feel fine. You don't know how you truly feel because that alcohol is blocking you from knowing how you truly feel. That's why you look at drunk driving and those that kill other people. Are those people bad people? A lot of times, no, they're not. They make a stupid decision under alcohol that leads them to do something they should not do. Because you're giving control to something other than yourself to control what's going on in your life. Now we could take this a lot further. There are people that do the same thing with drugs. The drugs is make it so I don't feel anymore. Well, you have something called the Holy Spirit, and he's much better than any drug out there. He's better than the marijuana. He's better than the meth. He's better than the heroin. He's better than any drug you could ever take. Say, Pat, it's true. Because what you do with those things, you lose control. And just as a drunk person or someone under the, and you say, how much alcohol does it take to get drunk? I don't know. That's not my job to tell you. It says, be not, we understand, we know the fact that to be drunk is sin, straight up. There's no argument anywhere you can make about that. And this is the thing that the Bible is clear with us. I want you to look at a couple verses in Proverbs, then I'll go a little deeper tonight. But Proverbs chapter 23, go to Proverbs 23. Say, this isn't in all of our notes. I know. I just gave you the last page of your notes so I could talk about other things in the same area. And we're going somewhere. But Proverbs 23. And look with me in verse number 29. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? 
Who has contentions? Who has babblings? Who has wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? You don't ever see a commercial like that, do you? Someone drinking a cup of wine. Who's got contention? Who's got sorrow? Who's got the redness of eyes? Those that drink this. You don't ever see that. You see it's the life of the party. You feel real good doing this. And it's a good thing for you. That's what this world tries to tell you about it. And you don't see what it does to families and the families it's ruined. Look what the Bible says. It says, Who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who hath contention, who hath babblings, who hath wounds without cause, who hath the redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine, and they that go after mixed wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent, and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Do you see some of the effects of drinking alcohol? Do you see that right there? Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth on top of a mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. Do you see the addiction that can come from it from the end of that verse right there? The Bible is very clear about it. And so you've got to understand this as we look at this. Alcohol is a way of deceiving you. I don't think Lot ever wanted to get his two daughters pregnant. But he got drunk. I don't think Noah ever wanted to have his son see his nakedness. But he got drunk. Say, I can handle it and you, whatever the case may be. And, you know, whatever, the, whatever. Be careful, because it's very deceitful. And it, it's messed up many of life, and you've got to be very careful with it. And just as someone who drinks alcohol comes under the influence of it, and the more you drink, the more you lose control. The more you drink, the less you remember what's even taken place. And you think about that, the Bible says in the verse that we read, it said, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. It says, But be filled with the Spirit. And just as a person comes under the influence of that alcohol, and that alcohol might make them say things they wouldn't have said before, or maybe they act a certain way, or their judgment is impaired by what they do. The Bible says, instead of going that route, let the Spirit of God control you. That's what we need today. What is missing in Christianity today is the people of God being filled with the Spirit of God. We need the Spirit. Of, and you say, well, how do I get the Spirit of God? We all have Him inside of us that are saved. No one in this room has any more of the Holy Spirit than anyone else in the room. If you are a child of God tonight, you have just as much of the Holy Spirit as anyone who's ever walked on the face of the planet that's saved. The question is not, how much Holy Spirit do I have? The question is, how much does the Holy Spirit have of you? You cannot live for two masters. You can't. You can't serve two masters. We go back to... Um, I think you had those verses for me from Galatians 5, verse number 16 and 17. This I say then, 
walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. That's the battle we talk about that goes on inside of every believer every single day. The Spirit of God inside wants you to do what's right. And because we are alive, because the Spirit has quickened us, we're alive, the Spirit of God works with our spirit. Because we have a spirit that's alive. Those that don't know Christ, they don't have a spirit that's alive. The Spirit of God cannot work through them because they're dead. Dead things cannot work. That's amazing, God's grace, that he would convict a dead person. Let's think on that one for a little bit. But the Bible says that inside of each of us in these verses, our flesh lusts against the Spirit. But we also see the Spirit, it lusts right back against the flesh. The Spirit doesn't want to do the bad things, but the flesh does. And that's the battle that's inside of each and every one of us each and every day. And the Bible says these are contrary the one to the other. And, there are, and you ever look at it, man, I wish I didn't do that. Ever been there? Man, why did I do that? Because the flesh won. That's why you did that. And each day, there are multiple times where the flesh wins. You ever talk to someone and you just get mad and you, and you like hold your tongue and you don't say anything and afterwards you're like, yes, I did good. Well, the Spirit did good that time in you because you let Him. There ever been a time where someone just gets you so upset you just start shooting out the mouth and afterwards you're like, spirit didn't win that battle the flesh did and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess but be filled with the spirit you see tonight if you want victory in the Christian life you need to be filled with God's spirit you must yield yourself under the influence of the Spirit. Sometimes we look at that word filled and we're like, that word filled just kind of confuses. Don't let it confuse you. Think of the word control. Let the Spirit control you. Think of driving a car. Whoever's driving controls where the car goes. I can have Caroline next to me and she could be the front seat or back seat driver. Tell, watch all those different things. If I don't move the steering wheel, the car's going to go wherever I put it. My foot's on the gas and on the brake. Whatever I do with it's what the car's going to do. Who runs your life? You or the Spirit of God? Many Christians are very unhappy today because they're being controlled by things other than the Spirit of God. We need to be filled with God's Spirit. As we look at this tonight, and for sake of time, we're just about, we're going to be done here in a few minutes. But as we look at our text back here in Ephesians chapter number 5, as we look at those verses there, the Bible says, look at, look at as we go through here, 
Look at verse number 19. It says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Do you realize that when you are filled with the Spirit and you let the Spirit control you, the first area of your life that's going to be right is your worship of God? You're going to thank Him? You're going to sing songs to Him? You're going to submit to one another. Your worship will be right when you're filled with the Spirit of God. If you keep on looking there, look at the next verse, verse 22. It says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And then it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of, of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is the great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Do you see that the Spirit of God will help you do that? Say, I just don't know about all that stuff. I don't know. I'm supposed to submit myself to my husband. Did you read the verse? Did you read it? But my husband's dumb. I, I get that. Men do a lot of dumb things. I am one. I get it. But God says that the wife is to submit to her husband. And you know why you have a problem with that? I don't have a pulpit to hide in anymore. I used to have a little spot I could hide in. If I hide in here, you can still see me. You know why you have a problem submitting to your husband? Because you're not filled with the Spirit of God. Your flesh is running things. And husbands, you know why you don't love your wife the way you should? Because your flesh is running the show. And the Spirit is not working. You want to be a better spouse tonight? Be filled with the Spirit of God. You want a good marriage? Be filled with the Spirit of God. And just so you know, guys, it also says before your wife is supposed to submit to you that you're supposed to submit one to another in the fear of God in verse 21. But in the home, the husband should be the head of the home as Christ is the head of the church. That's Bible. And the reason we have problems with that today is because we're not filled with the Spirit of God. Otherwise, we'd do it His way. And you might say, well, I don't like you saying that. Then you're really, then you're just going against what the Bible says here. You can figure that out for yourself. So, I'll just keep on going. Keep on going. Our married life would be better if we were filled with the Spirit of God. You're not going to have many fights if you're filled with the Spirit. Does the, does the fruits of the Spirit, is there fighting involved there? Pride? Did you know every time you fight with your spouse, every time I fight with Caroline, which isn't often, I'm normally right, so she just, everything's all good. No. Sad thing is, she's normally right, if we're being honest about that. And uh, that's the way it is. And, you know, what, what can I say? 
But anytime there's contention, it's always pride. Every time. Is one of the fruits of the Spirit pride? No, you want to have a good marriage? Be filled with the Spirit of God. Chapter 6, verse number 1. Children. Hey, this is good. Parents like this, right? Children, obey your... Children, are you listening? And children, you say, who counts as a children here? I would say, if you're living in your parents' house... You say, well, I'm 19 living in my parents' house. Then go pay your own bills. If your parents provide everything for you, you're still kind of a dependent, aren't you? And I know that's kind of the new thing, but anyways, anyways, we'll leave that there. I won't go too deep into that. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So when a child disobeys mom and dad, are they filled with the Spirit when they do that? No! Because a child that is filled with the Spirit of God, and you realize, children, hey, kids, look this way. Man, you talk about your parents and things, you guys are all happy. I start talking about you, and you get a little quiet in the room. And uh, your God wants you to obey your parents. That's Bible. That's what it says. And how, you say, well, pastor, it's just so hard to obey my parents. In your flesh, it's very hard. In the Spirit, it can be done. And children can be filled with the Spirit just like adults can be. There's no age limit. It doesn't say once you're 21, the Spirit can fill you up. No, that's not how it works. You can be filled with the Spirit anytime. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. If you discipline your children in anger, or, why did you do that, you... And you fill in the blank with whatever you're going to say. Is that very spirit-filled as you're dealing with your children? It's not very spirit-filled. Oh, you just get me so mad! Is that a spirit-filled answer to your kids? And kids, don't you be looking at your parents right now, because I'll go right back to you. Because there's also this thing about honoring your parents, too. We talk, and, I, and I believe that honoring, I don't care how old you are, if your parents are living, you should honor them. Say, but they don't deserve it. I don't see the clause there that says it matters if they were a good parent or not. Maybe by you being filled with the Spirit of God and doing what's right, you can help them grow and learn from their mistakes. Life isn't easy for everyone, and I get that, and I'm grateful for the parents God's given me. And I get that not everyone has parents like I've had, and I get that. But a spirit-filled Christian can honor. Because this is the thing, if we're full of bitterness and full of anger, can you be filled with the Spirit and be filled with all those things? No. No. It doesn't work that way. It's truth. It doesn't work that way. I don't see the fruit of the Spirit as bitterness, wrath, anger. I don't see that. Hatred. I hate them. That doesn't look like a work, a works of the Spirit, a fruit of the Spirit. It's a work of the flesh. But as you discipline and you rear your children, you do it in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, the only way you're going to be a good father and a good mother to your children is through the Spirit's help. Our flesh wants to rule things. We need to be filled with the Spirit of God. Let's look a little bit further. We're almost done here. Almost done. Say, Pastor, you said that five minutes ago. 
Almost done. Verse number five. It says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto the Lord. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as unto the Lord, not unto men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he is bond or free. And ye masters do the same things unto them, forbearing threatenings, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. And so we look at that, and you look at servants and masters and all those different things, and I know sometimes people, sometimes I might preach a whole message on it, but people say, the Bible talks about slavery, and the Bible's okay with slavery. Do you think God is really okay with slavery? You know the Bible actually talks about treating a slave right. And in that day and age, that wasn't something that happened often. Put it into a work relationship. You workers, work like you're supposed to. But my boss isn't a good boss. Well, you're supposed to do it as unto the Lord, right? Isn't that what it says there? As servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as unto the Lord and unto men. How are you going to be a good employee for your boss? You need to be filled with the Spirit of God. You say, but if my boss treated me better, does that sound like the Spirit speaking or the flesh speaking? Flesh. The flesh thinks we deserve a lot. The Spirit will help you do what's right. You know, kids, you get out on the playground with other kids. If that kid wasn't so mean, you can still be filled with the Spirit. One thing I learned, it was a hard lesson for me as a kid, that I can never control how someone else treats me. I still wish I could control how people treat me, but I can't. I never will be able to. But this is the thing, I cannot control how someone treats me, but I can control how I respond to them by letting the Spirit be in control. Say, well, if someone smacks me, I don't smack them back. No. Jesus turned over tables. Jesus took care of things when he needed to. You can turn the other cheek and get smacked again. But anyways, our work life, the Spirit of God will make you better employees. They don't make you a better boss. You want to be a good boss? You need to be filled with the Spirit. Almost there. Look at verse number 10. Finally. See, Paul says finally. We're just about there. See, finally. My brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now look at what it says. Look at the next verse. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You want to have a better daily life? Because it's a daily battle, right? You need to put on your armor. A spirit-filled Christian is going to put on their armor. 
a fleshly Christian will not put their armor on. And you want a good prayer life? You need to be a spirit-filled Christian to have the right prayer life. Because we can pray, but a lot of times we pray for what we want in the flesh. And God never has to answer what we pray for in our flesh. Because at the end of the day, it's not about what you say, but I want God to give me what I need. There's your problem. This is what I want. That's the problem. That's your flesh speaking. That's not a spirit-filled Christian. A spirit-filled Christian says, God, I have needs and I have wants, but I'm willing to submit to your will. Isn't that what Jesus did in the garden? He talked about that. It's, it's interesting to me how a lot of the sermons all tie together, isn't it? We might be in totally different subjects all over the place, but they all tie together some way or another. It might be because the same guy keeps writing the different sermons, so he ties them together there a little bit. No, it's the Word of God that does that. You want to be a good Christian tonight? You need to be filled with the Spirit of God. God is willing to fill you. The Spirit's there. He's willing to fill you. Are you letting Him have control? What most Christians need to do tonight is say, God, you have control. That old hymn, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, Have Thine Own Way. Or, All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. We sing them, but we don't live them. God's will for every Christian is to be filled with His Spirit. And I get it, you're going to mess up, I'm going to mess up. Do you know that phrase, be filled with the Spirit? There's one more thing about it. It's an ongoing process. It's not one moment you've achieved being filled and then you're done. Whew! I'm done! I did it! I'm filled with the Spirit! Yeah, and that's kind of pride creeping in. And then the Spirit shoots back down and the flesh rises right back up. It's a constant, moment-by-moment battle that we each face. But God's will for each of us is not to be drunk with wine where in his excess. And a lot of times I hear a lot of preachers, they park on that, and that should be talked about. But the goal of the passage is be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't be filled with another Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Because if you fill yourself with God's Spirit and you yield control of the Spirit of God, you can have a much happier Christian life. Father, thank you for the time that we